0: If you're a scout or coach looking to find or help players, then Pitch is the website for you. It's a startup, but the idea is to complement the scout's role in finding talent, especially in lower leagues. Pitch is likely to arrange trial days in the future, so a scout might be very interested to make a profile. For a coach, it's about the onward development and mental health of released players, helping them find a team or club and provide a talent ID and development reference on pitch. So make a profile today at www.pitchrmt.com. Hello, Matt. Evening, mate. How are you?
1: Very well, thanks.
0: Good. And uh, hello to our listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Coffee Club podcast. Today, Matt and I, who have we spoke to, Matt?
1: Ryan Semple. Very good evening, actually.
0: Yeah, excellent. Ryan is currently um, lead youth development face coach at Peterborough United, um, has held various roles at Peterborough, as we discussed, and uh, also... Man City and spent a year working for the FA in various capacities. So a really um, varied chat. Uh, fascinating. Again, just over an hour. So thank you to everyone who, who does listen to it. There is loads going on um, in this. Matt, anything particularly that, that Semp said that stuck out to you?
1: I've got two pages of scribbles. Uh, I love the fact he talked about being adaptable and where he learned that from was very similar to some of the stuff we've spoken about before and i like how he sort of touched on some of the learnings that he's he's acquired throughout his different roles how he's putting it into practice and how he's you know actually making use of it so it was a, it was a really good chat actually because he sort of took us on his on his journey but also like his learning journey as well you know what what he's picked up from where how it was relevant and how he's trying to use it now so it was, it was really good of, of trying to make sense of stuff, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it was quite unique in the sense that where we, we caught him now, he's gone full circle and yeah, he's now back in a role he did earlier in his career. Um, and yeah, really good insights to how his journey and experiences have shaped the work he's doing now. So um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Can't thank Ryan enough for his time. Uh, again, before we go into it, I guess just uh, from both Matt and I thanks to everyone who has been listening to the, the episodes um, continue to share in your feedback it's really appreciated um, there, also take a look at our website UK. there's all sorts on there from interviews, blogs um, and, and all sorts so yeah if you, if you get a few minutes and fancy digging a little deeper into some of Matt and my thoughts and experiences that's where you can find it um, should we should we have a listen to this one then, Matt? Let's do it. Here's our conversation with Ryan Semple.
2: Okay, here we go. Good evening, Ryan. Evening, guys. All good, good to see
0: you, mate. Thanks for joining us. We've got Matt Pleasure. with us again. Evening. Good step. What we're going to do? Um, we're going to. will enjoy this one. This is like uh, like old times, not seen or spoke to Ryan for a while, Been but long I know. time, hasn't it? I know this is going to be worthwhile. But oh. um for those people listening, Ryan, just uh I keep calling you Ryan. It sounds awkward. Uh, you call, call you me Sam. I, call Yeah, Sam. yeah. Just, they know uh, it's
2: Ryan. Call me <laughs> I thought
1: just, you had somebody um, else on then, Lee. I know, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: just uh go on then, mate. Give us a um a quick introduction to sort of yourself, how you got into coaching. Um I know you've had a, a vast experiences which we're gonna to touch on today, but just paint a picture for us if you could.
2: Yeah, of course, no problem. So I, I've been in football or in, loved football my life. I was fortunate enough to, to play. I was at Peterborough as a young player. I'm from the Peterborough area. Joined there at eight, um, went through the academy system and then was an under 18 and then um, got in and around the first team. Um, then sort of at 21, left and went to Lincoln, uh, didn't work out for me at Lincoln for one reason or another and sort of I left there a couple of years later with no offer of a, of a professional contract anywhere. I was 23 at the time so decided that I needed to or clearly I needed to do something else with with my life to, to obviously start a career and also earn money so the, the next best thing for me to stay in football was coaching and I'd done my level two as a youth team player um, at Peterborough and just sort of set up a, a, a soccer school in a summer holiday. That was 12 years ago now, August 2008. Nuts, crazy where the time goes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then from there, I got, um, I was approached to go into a couple of schools and I did that. And then um, as that sort of started happening, I got asked to go back into the academy as a coach at Peterborough, just as part time. So I was part time playing, part time doing working in schools and part-time, obviously coaching at Posh. And just went from working with the, the under 11s to under 13s to under 14s and just sort of went, went on up and that was part-time. And then under about probably five years into that, I got offered the full-time role as uh, YDP Youth Development Phase Lead, uh, which I did for a couple of years, uh, also leading the 16s and then did the 18s for two years. So I was at Peterborough for nine years and uh, as a coach, first time round, then spent a year at the FA, which we're going to go into, and, and two years at Man City as well. And then I'm, I'm back back to, back to the future. I'm back at Peterborough now. I've been back a couple of months and um no, really enjoying it. Good stuff. There's quite a common theme with,
0: I know with Matt and myself and some of the guests we've had in the past around, um, just as we're starting out on that coaching journey, doing whether it be school's work or you said you set up your soccer school. How how did you find that? What were the difficulties or challenges you had first off and, and how vital has that been in, in your learning yeah. um, as a sort of ground? Because it's a common theme that keeps coming out around that sort of intro to coaching.
2: Yeah, well, a number. The first one, and probably if I, if I go right to the very beginning, so just the fact of trying to get, so this isn't even really to do with football, but just obviously I had to promote this soccer school. I had no idea. I'd I'd literally, I'd I'd say I've been privileged enough to be a professional footballer and and I didn't really know what to do, how to do it. And I got some flyers printed and just, I was literally going around and uh, putting them on cars and I was getting told off from like shopping. (laughs) Honestly, also. But just so from that point of view, you can link it to just being um, just trying to be proactive and, and trying to think a little bit, I suppose, a little bit outside the box and just sort of trying to, uh, trying to get myself out there as best as possible. So taking taking responsibility and ownership of, of trying to promote something. And then, and then I'll never forget it. I was, so I'd, I'd done all this, and I've got however many kids. I didn't have a lot of kids, maybe say ten to twelve kids that had signed up. Um, but I remember a couple of weeks beforehand thinking, well, what am I actually going to do with these kids for, for <laughs> five hours of the day? Because it's all right me saying, "Oh, I'm going to do this coaching soccer school," but I've not really coached. So again, planning of how to be to plan sessions, how to I've done a little. As I said, I've done my I've done my level two, but how you structure a session, how you uh, link certain things. So I, I wanted to make sure although it was fun. And, and as I say, whether it was a soccer school or working in schools, I still was very serious about trying to teach and trying to learn, uh, help these, these children learn. So I wanted to, so I had, a, I tried to have a theme each day and tried to every practice I did was around a certain theme. Um, and I look back now and think that I was, I, I literally was diving in at the deep end so, so crazily, really. But just because, one, I, I, I had to, and two, I just thought, well, why not? I might as well have a go. And, and just that, I suppose, just go for, going for things, practising things and, and not worrying. Well, I did worry, but not worrying too much. And it's certainly not stopping me in regards to making mistakes and um, learning learning on the job. Learning on the job and not being fearful of that.
1: Semes, so when when you did this, so you said you were twenty three. Yeah. What 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 did it feel like having coming out of that football environment? Yeah. And then having to go and do you know like a, a real job where yeah. you know you have to go and make all that yourself and yeah. you, you're basically just reliant on yourself to do it. How how did you feel doing it? And then like and you know did you did you take something away from that experience? Cause it, it sounds a good one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. At the time, I think at the time it was, I don't know whether it was naivety or just, um, just the way I am. I just thought, well, I've got nothing else to, to me. I saw it. And, and by the way, I don't see any, any, profession that anybody chooses to go into or, or goes into falls and falls into it's there's certainly none no better or no worse but I just saw yeah. it as there's no way i tell you what I went to my uh, uh, my mum's partner he runs a groundworks firm and I spent a week with him in the summer doing that over that summer while I was I was out of uh, I didn't have a club and I was deciding what I was going to do and I knew after about two days there's not a chance in heaven to do that and and absolute respect to anyone. And obviously so many people uh, labor and work on sites for 20, 30, 40 years because it it absolutely finished me off. And and I I just thought, well, this is is basically, I love football. It's all I know. It's what I feel I'm best at. And this was the next best thing for me. So I, uh, the next best thing to play in. So I, I just sort of went with it and it was very, I enjoyed it. But I also did, as I said, said earlier, I did feel, I did put quite a bit of pressure on myself to deliver something that would teach and learn. Yeah. And I never really, I never really probably six months, definitely a year prior, I would have never said that I was going to be, be a coach and certainly, as I say, 12 years later, still be doing it. I wouldn't have said that. I enjoyed, uh, I love football, but I didn't never really saw, I never really saw myself having a career as a coach to be honest with you, I don't know what other people thought. I've never really asked anybody else at the time, but um, no, it was, it was a a real good experience. And one, again, when I look back, I'm quite proud that I did it and and stuck at it because I did, as I say, I started it and, and there were tough times where I was out every night of the week, literally every night of the week, by Friday night, I was out because I was either playing and training myself or coaching. And, uh, and then on a Saturday, I would play myself. On a Sunday, I would coach. And, and I would obviously do the games programme on a Sunday when I was still doing the younger ones. So it was a lot, but I loved it. I enjoyed it. And and yeah, no, I'm very thankful that I, I stuck at it.
0: That was going to be one of my questions, mate, around sort of sacrifice, um, because obviously you've um, you've gone on to have a, a great career coaching now and working in some some excellent roles with your stuff, your 18s at Posh and the, the the national stuff and, and Man City. But those early days, like you said, where mm. you're juggling a bit of everything, your part-time academy work, your part-time soccer schools and still playing. Yes. I mean, we, we, we always say to any coaches getting in, do as much as you can and go and throw in. But But how challenging or difficult was that for you, sort of juggling all those different things? And obviously mm. you
2: stuck at it and got the rewards, but... It's it's true, you know, because there's there's plenty and, and I speak to a lot of coaches, whether it's people I know or people sometimes will message me on Twitter or, or anything and um and they ask about well, I wanna get into coaching or they're involved in coaching already, but I wanna get a full time role at a club and um I wanna do and, and I find it hard, I just uh, I just need They're basically getting hitting that point where they're I've been in that position where they're doing so many different things and you do. And I found, I found to a point, which is why I stopped playing. I stopped playing at 29 because I felt I got offered the full-time role at Posh and I felt, and, and they didn't They not in any way, did they sort of, tell me I had to stop because they said look we can do it around you playing and, and whatever but I decided to because it gets to the point where you can only do it for so long where you've got so many things going on and um, to to do one thing to the best of your ability sometimes you do well very often you have to uh, focus and, and try and um, get more of a laser, laser focus on that that particular thing but what I would also say to that is I do think sometimes and it's, it's natural that the young younger coaches or inexperienced coaches um they want to move too quick and you want to move up too quick and, and you want to go from uh, say a, a voluntary role into a, a a paid role which is fine obviously we all need we all need to to pay uh, get paid um but there's moving into that and then it's what well, i want to move into a different role i want to move up an age group or whatever it is and and being ambitious I'm as ambitious as the next person but you you can be just as ambitious in whatever role you're doing right now to be the best at it um rather than it having to be well or, or the perception of the uh, the older the the age group you work with the better the coach you are which is an absolute nonsense um so yeah I would the, the advice I would probably say or give was, was just Make sure if you're if you feel that you've done the absolute best and you're the best you can be in whatever role it is, then maybe it's time to look for a different role. Um, but don't worry about trying to go too quick. It, things will work out at the time, at the time that they're ready to work out. I'm a big, big believer in that.
0: Yeah. So you you were patient and and um, aren't your stripes at uh, Posh did several years how many years did you do before you got offered the full-time yeah bottle, so i was
2: there um and people yeah people sort of surprised at this i was part-time at posh for six years yeah six, and then was that the was that the e triple six years yeah so what happened was so the e P probably came in uh, about it ish, 2012. Was it? So Cat yeah, so, I, so so I've, yeah. I've been there four years. I've been there four years, and then what happened was I was still officially part time in 2012. But then we started up. We uh, started up a bit of a school or a schools program, and what I would do is because I could, because I obviously have my own coaching business, I I could uh, manipulate my hours if you like. So I did a lot of the schools program stuff. So I was still officially part time, but I was I was coaching four days a week at the club. Um, but just afternoons or then afternoons and evenings. Um, so, yeah, so I was there, it was only in, in 2014 that I, that I officially went full-time when I obviously took over the IDP the lead role. And But it enabled me um, so much to, to do. So I worked with, I would go from working with, say in the morning working with uh, school kids, some of those would be say primary school age, some would be secondary school age, some would be uh, have disabilities. I worked in a couple of um, uh, disability schools which was amazing Uh, and then I would then go to then in the afternoon working with aspiring young professionals that were maybe 14, 15, 16 years old and training some of them would have been already at that point training with the under 18s and things like that and it was great because it gave me such a grounding and being able to adapt adapt to situations whether you've got a full-size pitch and uh, 16 players or you've got a quarter of a pitch and three players or you've got mixed ability or you've got good level of ability and and that was happening on a weekly sometimes daily basis that was changing um for me which which was great and I I do feel probably one of my my biggest strengths is just that I can I feel I can adapt to whatever the whatever the the situation is And, and there's no doubt those early years have helped me being able to, being able to do that because I I had to do it. There was, there was no question because ultimately I wanted to make sure whatever I was doing, I was, I was teaching. They were learning something. So if I pitched it too high, they weren't going to learn anything. If I pitched it too low, they weren't going to learn anything, whoever I was working with. So to try and get that right, which plenty of times I definitely got wrong, but yeah, no, I am. I definitely improved, improved from it.
1: It sounds quite similar to Lee and I have had talks about this before about the the importance of working in the schools because yeah. of what it gave you. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, you could plan for five people and then have thirty turn up, or the other <laughs> way around. And yeah. the uh, the difference of ability in one class as well can be can be massive. Yeah. Um What What else do you think like helped? You know, what, what else would you have took from that experience into the your part-time role coaching and how is it, how did that help you make that step on? Because you mentioned earlier, like it gave you, you know, doing that work gave you a good perspective as well. Um, And then you talked about it being adapting as well. Did did the actual lessons and the way you structured them and the themes you talked about, was that Mm. stuff that you transferred into your coaching as well?
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's that it comes back to planning and just being able to, to plan. But again, the balance between planning too much and then it's a completely different it's a different set of players or a different number or different area size if you plan too much and too structured you're screwed when things change but just being able to because even now in the role obviously we I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later but being back at the club now being back at posh now we have a program where we, we have a split sort of program where we have some full-time obviously a full-time group of players but also um part-time which just train in the evening yeah. and I'm, I might go from uh, say for example on a Wednesday go from having the full-time players to then going within say an hour having the part-time group but being able to to plan and go right well this is the topic of the week is the topic of the week but how I'm going to deliver that topic and what I'm going to deliver will will change. But also, it's then being able to keep that topic going, but being aware that those players that I think I've got, it might not it might not have that many. Or yes. So so many times, where I'm going to focus on these three players and and uh, those three players don't turn up or one gets injured or, or whatever it is as, as we as we all know happens but it's I think the biggest one Crads is just that planning but the balance between planning too much um, and not planning enough um, yeah that's probably the biggest biggest thing that that I sort of learned and, and have tried to take with me as as the years have gone on
1: it's like it's like that boxing quote where isn't it? everyone has a plan to get punched in the face and then- yeah it's the yeah, same exactly. thing, isn't it? You you plan exactly too that. much, and we talk about having a framework as well, like just yes. a framework. And what are your key messages? And I think to, if you have if you have real clarity over you mentioned like your your lesson or the theme, if you have real clarity over the few messages you want to get across, you can you then have that flexibility within your framework. as long as you're getting those points out, you know,
2: a hundred percent. The 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 structure the 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 more you, yeah, exactly. The more clarity you have, the more, as you've just said, the more you can probably come away from it being A, B, C, D, because you, you, you know that you almost, you know, the rules in your head, you know, the things that, yeah, these are the things I definitely want to get out. These things I might get out, these things well, we'll see, but also um, the amount of times I've, I've done a session where you're thinking, right, well, I'm going to do this bit for 10 minutes. I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this out and this out and this out. And it's, it, it never, it doesn't fall into place. And then the other times where you've gone, do you know what? Let's just see what happens and things flow unbelievably well. And it just shows actually that you don't always, well, very often you, you, you're not going to predict everything that's going to happen.
0: Mate, we'll um, not to gloss over it because I, I know you've gone full circle and you're back in the lead YDP role now. So we'll we'll yeah. talk about that a little bit later. We yeah, know yeah, what I'm you've sort well. of learned, but you, you, you said then that you, you went into the um, the 18s role. So yeah. I'll be really keen to to hear your thoughts on on how you found that. But more, me and Quads were talking before. Wanted to pick your brains on that role. I guess still had a developmental focus, but a little bit more performance based. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see firstly how you found that moving into like a a quote unquote play to win role. Yeah. I know you the winning yeah. is developing players, but then um and that's that's having a, a sort of a five day lead into a game yeah. sometimes. That must have been a different kind of coaching for you. And be good to get your your thoughts yeah. and reflections on that role you you had.
2: Yeah, no, it was great. Well I, I had so it was initially me and, and, and Scarfe Kieran Scarf. So he was the academy manager and again, talk about sort of being able to to be flexible and adapt. We had, so at that point at the club, the, there was only really in terms of full-time staff. So we had the, the schools program, which was 14s to 16s. Then we had the under 18s as well. And there was pretty much only myself and Scarfe who were full-time at the time um, at the club. So I would, we would take the sessions in the morning, in the 18 sessions, and then in the afternoon after school, I would then take the, the boys that were at the school, the younger players, the 14s to 16s, there was probably around 15 to 20 of those. Um, so it was, again, that switch, what you've just said there in regards to then going up and working with the, those play, the under 18s. And it was more about, while it is 100% still development, it's the part of the development is then trying to prepare them as much as possible for what a first team environment is. Unfortunately at the club, um, we've the, the link between first team and, and obviously there, there is no, uh, there's been no 23s, which over the next 12 months is going to change. Um, and that, that makes the 18s to first team link even, even closer. And it was, it's, it was really it was good. It was very good. Um real challenge in regards to what you've just said there. It's different. You're planning to leading up into a game while while still getting that focus of the individuals around that and what the individuals need and also what probably the the best players that you see that are gonna hopefully go and, and kick on and and earn professional contracts and get in and around the first team, making Making it a real focus around them as well, which I think is really important at all levels. But certainly, as you're starting to get even closer towards, obviously, a first team environment. Um, and I, I enjoyed—I'll be honest with you—I I really enjoyed the 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 com- more competitive side of it, if you like, in regards to three points every week and 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 how that. Uh, how that week is planned in regards to you might focus at the start of the week on individual based stuff, but then as the week, but still dropping in messages in regards to what, what you're going to do on the weekend. And then obviously as you get closer towards the end of the week, uh, more, maybe more tactical and, and more bigger numbers. But again, though, going, going back to this uh, theme on, on being adaptable ultimately that the, often the first team would take some of the better players which is good because ultimately that's where you want them to be and that's where they need to be but again if you're planning around your better players and and planning around what you're going to do at the weekend around your better players and then uh, for two or three days of the week you're not working with them that makes that difficult as well so it's it's really it's a It's a fantastic role the under eighteens role i think it's it's a really really good role and obviously depending on what club you're at and depending on the size of the club it, it differs but i think it's um I, I loved it i loved it i really enjoyed it and um I learned a lot during that period that uh, no no doubt stood me in good stead
0: you know you um you said there around not having the twenty threes and so the link between eighteens and first team being quite close was there Anything in particular that you found the players or you needed to work with with the players to give them the best chance of stepping into the first team and being being ready for that?
2: I think it's just it's, it's all-round standards, to be honest with you, Lee. Like, So we had... So I, I touched on, obviously, the, the first period was probably the first, just under half a season. The first season was, was, was with Scarfi and then... And, um, you know, well, uh, Jack Collison came, he retired. Um, he'd obviously signed for the club and, and retired. And he came in and, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there was only myself and Scarfi across a number of age groups. So Jack came in and me and Jack did the 18s, which enabled Scarfi to focus more on the uh, off-the-pitch academy duties, which obviously is an academy manager. You can imagine how much uh, he has to deal with. And that was a real big thing although Jack uh, wasn't an experienced coach, but his standards of obviously uh, the level he played at and his his level of professionalism and commitment and um, uh, just, as I say, standards of what he, he'd been, the level he'd been at, but also the level he'd seen was a massive, massive thing. And that was, for me, that was probably the biggest, the, the biggest uh, plus and and the the strong point of Jack coming in was that which was so so important so important to the lads that that ultimately what you do day in day out is where you're going to you're going to live and die by that on a saturday and if you get that opportunity to go and train with the first team, let alone go and be in around on a match day, whether it's on the bench or, 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 or play, you better be ready because it's such a, uh, can be such a small window and such a brutal environment in the, in the regards of if you don't do as the manager asks, or if you don't do as a certain player asks, or you don't, you're not, you don't, you're not trustworthy with the ball or you don't track your runner once or whatever it is, that level of, of accountability, can, that can be the end of you in regards to you're not gonna get another chance. And it's so it's, it's tough and, and some might say that that's wrong, but it's, it's fact, it's fact of life. And, and I think that was the, probably the biggest, the biggest change and shift that from say under sixteen up to under eighteen, um of course the game is slightly quicker, the players are slightly quicker and stronger, and um the level' slightly higher, but I think it's just that's that standard and and that expectation and, and accountability that yeah you 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 really need to be fully aware of that as a player Semps, do you think the um obviously we're trying to
1: Uh, create an environment that's similar to that of the first team so that Mm. they're ready when they make that step Mm. do you you think do you think the first team environment is changing obviously it'll be different every club but if you think back to when maybe when you were playing and then fast forward it to maybe some of your 16 17 year olds by the time they get into the first team environment Mm. do you think it'll look different and you know are the people coming through different because we talked about this on a previous podcast about you know, people that young people now are different to when we were young people. So, therefore, the environment that they'll be going into is that—is it changing? And how can we prepare them for that?
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's—I think it's—it's it's just a reflect. It's like anything. It's a reflection of society, which is changing. Yeah, it <laughs> seems to change a hell of a lot over the last few months. Hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but
1: that's true.
2: No, no, just the, in general, crads. I think it's so. I, I think there's a lot more a lot more outside pressures. I think there's always been outside pressures, but I think there's a, a lot more now because I think whether it's social media has a big part to play. Um, I think people feel that there, there has to be, they there has to be more of a, a, a there's a perception of how a, a young footballer should be or should yeah. act. And, I think now you are just done you' there's a lot more of a, a glare even at as I say obviously I've worked at um, Man city very high profile club but even at, at Peterborough now there's a there's a real there is it's a there's a there's a pressure of what a young footballer should do and how they should act and um, I think it, it not all of it is is conducive to developing them in the best way. No. Um, and, and I think it's, it's while, don't get me wrong, on the flip of that, I think there's a lot more, certainly from an academy perspective, and EPPP, one of the, the good things about EPPP has probably promoted this, there's a lot more support now. I think there's a lot more support in regards to more staff. There's a lot more of an awareness, say, for example, in regards to uh, mental health and wellbeing, which is obviously yeah. Fantastic, yeah. but I do I do feel it's it's definitely needed because I think the pressure cooker is that much greater yeah. now. Um,
1: it's definitely turned up, has not
2: it? Yeah, one one hundred percent. And I think as coaches, it can be, and I've certainly been guilty of this. I think sometimes we can forget that they are kids. Yeah, they, they are they're kids, and that. Ultimately. even even the
1: first team as a kid yeah they really?
2: yeah of course they are yeah. of course they yeah. are exactly exactly and 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 I think as well there probably is and I, I don't have any stats to back this up but I, I feel there's probably a lot less older senior pros around clubs now and I think that might be down to for example that the clubs now see it as more of a, a business in regards to sell on and resell and squad. Yeah. seem a lot younger now, which means you might not have as many experienced heads around which to, to try and help these young players. And, yeah. and I think that's a, that's an issue in itself as well. Um, yeah. so yeah, no, it is different. And it is, we've got to try and provide them with the tools to be able to cope with that. Um, but it's not easy. It's not no. easy what,
1: what about the what about the relationships as well? So, like, if you rewind maybe twenty years ago and you yeah. think about what the relationship between a manager and a player was, yeah, you know, uh, there, there was obviously everyone was different, but overall you'd say it was a you do this yeah. you listen to me yeah. quads i uh, think
0: i think i think quads if you go on youtube there's a documentary oh, of posh and, and so semps is in that so you can could... throw that in and you just you just cleaned him right
2: out of the back
1: you're welcome, you're welcome. Yeah.
2: no no you're right though you, you, you bang on I think,
1: but it doesn't it doesn't look like that anymore does it no. I, th- I mean there's there's the odd. There's, the there's a outlier. time and a
2: place for it of course yeah. and th- and there's yeah. also like you say there's there's still certain managers and certain personalities that will will lead lead like that and there's there's definitely 100% a time and a place for it and, and I also think players people um f- uh, crave that as well some some direct leadership yeah. and uh we are doing this and this is this is how we're going to do it because that also can be quite um empowering in regards to I'm going to follow that person because they have a clear um strategy of what we're going to do and that can be very powerful as well but I do yeah I think you've got to you've got to have a lot more a lot more softer skills shall I yeah. say uh, this is I believe that anyway You, you in, in the past maybe you, you didn't need them as much and it was again back to society rather than just football yeah. you, you did exactly what your parents said, uh, you did exactly what your teacher at school said, you did exactly what your football coach said whereas now I think because information there's a lot more information out there which is fantastic I think players from a on paper are probably more intelligent now but with that, because of the, because the amount of things they can see and access, but with that, potentially there's now been a, 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 a reduction in problem solving because everything's there. I can go and see it. I can click on YouTube and go and find clips of whoever I want to go and find. Yeah. Whereas before, you might have to watch uh, three weeks of Match of the Day and really study and really try and find certain part of the game whereas now you can find probably anything quite easily and with with the ease of access maybe become there comes a little bit of a laziness as well um yeah. which i would probably link players and also uh we as coaches could be maybe guilty of that as well um so yeah it's it's it just, swings and roundabouts isn't it things of things have, some things have changed definitely for the better and some things probably make it a little bit more difficult these days
0: I was having a conversation today and the person I was chatting to made a really good point around that sort of thing that maybe now some of the what could be seen as old school values the coaching values are starting to come back in because yeah. maybe and this was the the, the the whole the youth award way of doing things was very much to the opposite end of the spectrum so it was yeah. Traditionally old school would be classed as command style, stop, stand still, do this, do that. And then it went, well, it was a realization that's not the only way. Yeah. And coaches kind of went to the other extreme of only asking questions and yeah. letting the game be the teacher. And now we're kind of realizing story time or, over
1: a tactics board. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Now we're realizing actually we, we maybe need to to use some sort of hustle at the players to get that energy and yeah. Aggression in the game controlled, like, by aggression, I mean, yeah. pressing, running, yeah. that kind of stuff. We're finding the blend out, we sort of back in the middle, rather than being completely one end.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I think anyone who's got, got kids will testify to that. You, you, you go from trying to get them to uh, learn certain things, whether it's drawing or playing or whatever, to know... Uh, you must hold my hand when you cross the road. You're not gonna. You, it's it's just it's it's certain things that you you have to you as the teacher, you as a parent, you as the coach have to work out. Well, no, this is the right thing where they can learn and learn themselves. Versus, no, they need to know this is what you do, and I'm telling you, and you can you don't deviate from this, and and that. the the best coaches, the best teachers know when to do which one at the right times and how much, Um, because yeah, it's bang on. I think there's 100%, 100% room for both, for uh, more dictator style. And then also, yeah, you you learn and work out what went well, what went wrong. And and next time you'll do it better.
0: Yeah. So just moving on from posh then because i know we'll come back to that you yeah. you, were, you had a really exciting opportunity to go and work with the fa for a, a year
2: yeah 12 tell months. us about
0: that that sounds fascinating i know you got
2: some some insights to share i'm sure yeah it was amazing it was amazing so i i spent 12 months um working so i did six six different placements across the 12 months and it was mixed so i did some i i worked with the um, FAYCD so the, the um, youth coach developers who work in, work in clubs, working academy, academy clubs in the elite game, working with coaches, going through their, their coaching badges, more often than not it was the A license and the advanced youth award and then obviously going back into their clubs in their in situ visits and supporting them with that which was, which was amazing. Um, so I did that I also did worked as a, with the county coach developers which did a very similar role but working within grassroots so more b licenses your youth award your um, uh, level ones level twos which was fantastic insight because I've, I've not done up until that point not done any coach education before never worked in sort of, uh, in, in that capacity and supporting coaches. I then spent, um, I worked on two camps with the under 16s and 18s as sort of a technical coach and various sort of roles within that. Within that, So we had two, two camps um, playing against uh, three or four different uh, national teams, which was amazing insight. Again, to the, at that point, first time I'd worked with players at, at that level. Um, did some work with, uh, with yourself, the regional coach mentors at the time, um, which was which was great. Um, working obviously again with grassroots coaches and, and supporting them, which again I'd never having been a player at Peterborough from such a young age, and then obviously then going into coaching and working in schools, but not really working in grassroots clubs, that gave me such a. Uh, um, an understanding, a, a lot more understanding of what volunteer coaches go through, uh, working with obviously um, working in grassroots clubs, which was which was amazing. Did some time at the PE unit again, which was quite similar to what I'd done working in schools and with um, community foundations. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. Also three weeks uh, three weeks in Spain working in a club out in Spain. Um, working with, I think I worked with the under 16s on 17s players. Um, is that uh, where you became pally with Raúl I
0: see? Yeah, it, yeah, that's
2: <laughs> me and my boy Raúl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so his, so randomly, his lad. So it was in Madrid. It was in Madrid. Yeah, so uh, his lad played for the team that I worked with at uh, work, a club called Rayo Maya de Honda. Um, apologies for mispronouncing a. Pronunciation, maybe but yeah so they were linked they were there right next to atletico madrid and it, yeah his his son played there and it was like a grassroots club but the it was an unbelievable club like in regards to it was like an academy really i, I would look at it as, a, as an academy in this country they had um, real good facilities and loads of kids and real decent level um standard of player uh, was really good, and to say the coaches were, were obviously part-time coaches, but took it really seriously. And I learned a lot and picked up some sessions from there. Even though my Spanish was bang average, um, <laughs> still is. But yeah, it was it was great. That twelve-month period, it was, it was fantastic. I spent, as I say, spent nine years as a, as a coach and twelve years as a player previously at Peterborough, and, and I loved loved it. But it was the right time for me to go and it was the right opportunity for me to go and, and learn and um, broaden my horizons, if you will. And and I certainly did that. It was great. Yeah. Was it a bit of a
0: risk, mate? Because I know it was like you said, it's a one-year mm-hmm. placement. I, I must have had some
2: some conversations and
0: thoughts around that.
2: Yeah. Again, it's similar when Crads asked me earlier about when I started coaching and, and started sort of the soccer schools and that I didn't really... I did. I definitely thought about it, but I, I see it as as bigger risk staying in in the same environment and in the same role without necessarily grabbing the opportunity. And every everybody's different, of course. You can stay in the same role for twenty years, and if you're still learning, then then fantastic. But I just I felt for me at that that point, I'd obviously done different roles at Peterborough. I'd worked from the under under 10s under 11s all the way through um and it was a, a great opportunity for me to go and do something different at a, at a real high level not just working with players but also working with coaches um and i i ba- basically I, I i backed myself that at the end of the 12 months i was going to be better for it and uh, hopefully I would obviously find a role that that reflected that and, and be fortunate enough to get it, which obviously um, ended up happening. So no, it was, it was, it was a risk, but I'm glad I took it.
0: Yeah. Great stuff, mate. One thing I wanted to just touch on going back a, a little bit, you said there around you did some coach ed work and were working at developing coaches as yeah. a lot of your experience have been coaching players. And yeah. I'm adamant that, it did for me it'd be interesting to hear Matt's thoughts as well but did coach education and getting on that side of things do you think that helped improve you as a
2: coach yeah massively massively because I think what what it did what it did for me was it made me look at things look at things through the obviously through the coach when you're coaching you're looking at it through yourself through your own eyes but looking it looking at it through a different coach's eyes and go okay well they've got the trade off of of uh, of one thing to another so it might be for example well again so if if I'm if you're working with a grassroots coach that wants to get a certain aspect of the game out. Um, but can only do it in a quarter of a pitch with, uh, for, half, for an hour, or again, his players have, uh, his or hers pl- players, the, the number that they thought they had, they haven't got. Um, it, what it, what it, it, it just enabled me to look at probably grass, grass certainly from the grassroots point of view, when I spent the time with um, wonderful lady, Jackie, Jackie Bushel with, as a county coach developer, um, from her learning off her in regards to how she how she evaluated a coach's session with all those different things going on, and not just looked at well they've not um, they've not corrected the body shape of uh, little Jimmy when he received that ball, but actually no, there's so much more going on than just that that this coach has got to deal with. Uh, it's just a real appreciation of, of um, the amount of things coaches have to deal with. And and I feel, again, I've been very privileged, although I've, say I've worked in different environments, I've, I feel I've been privileged to work in academy football for as long as I have. And while I've worked at different levels, it's still a decent standard. And, and I'm, I'm very privileged for that actually going and, and working with coaches and, from a grassroots perspective it's different it's different and you have and I just have such a an appreciation and respect for them um for 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 the the amount of hours they give up for obviously very often no pay whatsoever and they're doing it because they just they love it and they want to give back whether it's their own children that are involved or or not it's um it's, yeah, it's, incre- it's incredible and, and there's, there's absolutely no way the game would survive without um, without these these kinds of, of people doing what they do so that was that was the biggest thing Lee I think that I took from it was was that and just then when I'm going back into my own environment and coaching with the players I'm coaching with just an appreciation of look you've you've got a real good environment to work in, so make the most out of it basically
0: yeah I am. Um through the mentoring that i did in the past yeah I, I think um i still believe i learned more from those i mentored than yeah than i could ever teach them just things like communication skills yeah. multitasking yeah. like pure enthusiasm on several like when it's hammering down and they got hardly any equipment but they just do everything for the kids. Yeah. it's fascinating yeah. but um i want to i want to dive into the, the the complete other end of it you also had experience at the, the highest level of, of yeah. youth football in our country. Yeah. You said you did two camps. I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what sort of a, a camp looks like, and then yeah. what you learned from being in and around that environment and working with those players and coaches. That must have been
2: yeah something it was, else. It was top the big thing that initially hit me when I, because what apps so say with a camp you have a um, say you have a camp. Uh, the camp's going to be in maybe six weeks' time. You have pre-camp uh, get-togethers and meetings as staff, as staff. And a lot of the work was done before I, I started to get involved in, in the meetings, but um, in regards to the level of detail the planning for it because you've got maybe a, a, a 10 day period, right? Where you've got these players and you've got maybe three games. Um So you might have the first, the first game um, in the lead into the first game, you might have three days, but then after that, you're, you're almost a game every other day or every couple of days. So the level of detail of planning as to, uh, to the, to the, 30 minutes, not just to the hour of what you're going to do and what the players are doing and what time they're going to eat. And then uh, from then eating, then getting down into um, uh, training or a pre-session meeting. Um, then the, the session, obviously um, the post-session, what they're going to do uh, preparation for the games, the 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 number of staff you've got to to manage that was a big one for me just from a um, a management point of view so I work with Neil Dewsnip on both camps who's uh, highly highly experienced um, many years at Everton and then obviously he spent I think six years five five or six years with the FAs now now director of football at Plymouth um, Plymouth Argyle and he he just his management of and delegation to staff was, was as good as I've ever seen. And it's just a real eye opener of, of how you would manage a multidisciplinary team and allow them to get on with what they need to get on with, but ultimately still be the, the, the leader, if you like, when a decision needs to be made to make it. Um, so that was, that was fantastic. It was, it was really, really good. And um, again, the, with the level of play working with this while, of course you're still gonna make certain uh, mistakes or not mistakes necessarily, but do when you reflect, do things differently, but just making sure that the sessions uh, they're on point to as absolute uh, map, as most, as much as you can preparing for, for every eventuality. Um, for example, we had on the, the first camp, um, we joined up on a Sunday, but it ended up there was a there was a this was with the 18s. There was a um, a cup Premier League cup final that was meant to, that ended up being on the Saturday. So the first game was on, I think, on the Tuesday. Um, all of a sudden. Uh, sorry, the cup final was on the Sunday and it was supposed to be on the Saturday. So all of a sudden it was, I think it was maybe seven or eight of the players in the squad had played in that game. So then Monday they can't train um, and the, so it affects everything, but just the, but just being able to adapt again, going back to being adaptable and just the level of detail and planning that goes into um, making sure that obviously the, the best players best players in the country at the time for their age, uh, they're getting the absolute most uh, out of the camp because, um, yeah, that's what they deserve, obviously.
0: And what about the players themselves, mate? What what did you notice about them that put them in yeah. that sort of top 1% of all the, the boys yeah. that play in this country? Was there any common traits? I think it's,
2: it's just consistency in decision-making. Obviously, of course, they're technically very, very good. Very good. And... Uh, often um, there that's what stands out of course but I think it's the level the speed of decision and the the level of consistency in getting the decision right I think that's ultimately what what separates any any football player the best players make the the best decisions the quickest and the most consistently that's probably as, as simply as I, I could put it and and that's how I uh that's what you that's what you could see you could see that um uh with with a number of the players and it was the group so that the the 18s group that i work with they just so the they'd won the world cup that so it was the 17s that won the world cup in the october um but they were obviously by, by the by the october they were officially under 18s but they obviously the tournament had been the qualification had been the year before, so yeah. So that was the group that I worked with. So some some top top players in there: um, uh, Callum Hudson Odoi, um, Morgan uh, Morgan Gibbs White, um, Oliver Skip. A number a number of players that had sort of gone on since then as well. But that group that had won won the World Cup. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a top top experience which which yeah was absolute privilege to be involved in
0: and what about the sessions themselves mate what were the was there any sort of structure the sessions took or any particular yeah.
2: practice designs that the the coaches used with those yeah. players it was very do you know what very games based and not necessarily just small sided games um but there was a, a lot of uh possession practices but with whether it's like breakout games into goals um a lot of uh transitions uh so whether it's sort of as I say it might be a breakout into a, 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 a 3v2 or a 4v3 um a, a lot of a lot of flow and I think that again it's definitely designed to, to be that way because the players are obviously, they're coming, they're coming on international duty. And I think it's important that there's a lot of, you're maximizing the time they're here. And a lot of, as I say, a lot of, a lot of touches on the ball, Um ball rolling time was, was a lot, very high. And again, it, it I'm not saying that that would necessarily have to be the case all the time back in your club, but when it's international and, and you've got the a limited time with top players, all training and, and playing together, I think it's important that you have that because I think the players enjoy that. The, the players enjoy, you ask any player what they, prob- what they enjoy the most and it's games, but it weren't just games, go and do what you want. There was always a theme around, again, what we we're going to do, how we were going to play, um, in, in, in the games in the matches, so that was that was really evident, um, and it was in fairness I, I think it was a real clear clear focus on the the DNA of the um, of the of the FA that is still running now, but certainly at the time when Dan Ashworth Dan Ashworth was there, there was a real real big push and a real um, promotion of that, um, which of course the year the year I was there they it was when the 17s obviously have won the world cup um the 19s won the euros didn't they the um the 20s win the world cup that year as well I think that the 21s lost in the in the uh, semis or the final and obviously the first team lost in the semis as well the senior team sorry um so yeah so it was a it was obviously a real, real good period, and you could see the, the 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 link and the the philosophy, if you like, going through the through the setups um, right the way through. Which was no surprise that there was some some real success.
0: Yeah, and it just co- just coincided with the year you were there, mate, as well. So, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely
2: um, didn't have anything to do with it.
0: Um, off the back of that, mate, you, you spent some time at City. Yeah. Um, again working with some top talent, I'm sure. What, yeah. what were your biggest learnings from your time there?
2: I learned a lot sort of in regards to maybe looking at, not necessarily looking at the game differently, but a real, again, a real clarity of how um, a style of play can be implemented from top to bottom, from literally from under nines, and down right the way through, obviously through to the first team, but certainly through to the 23s, and the the absolute belief in that way of doing things. And nobody nobody at the club would be saying this is the only way to do it, but for sure, from from their point of view and from the club's point of view, when I was when I was there from our point of view, this is the way we do it. And you may disagree, but this is the way that at Man City. This is how we do things. And and I think anybody that watches, um, watches any age group, whether that's first team all the way down, that watches youth football, see that as a clear, um, a clear uh, style of play and, and a way of playing, which is, which is fantastic. And um, some some top top players. But also some top people there as well that have been there a number of years, and and I learned a hell of a lot from the coaches I, I work with, um, in regards to session planning and uh, developing individuals and teams within with obviously individuals within a team team structure, um, and I I loved it. I, there was a lot of things that I struggled with, so I found it, I found it we we worked, so I worked with the 15s and 16s and we had two, so it was three coaches between the two age groups. Um, and obviously we had a number of staff and sports science and analyst and physio. And um, I found from going, working at Peterborough and doing a lot yourself to then having so many staff, there's a, it's, it's different. It's a different way of working. And, um, you have to get used to that which which i found difficult to start with but i got used to it and and what it does allow you to do and what it does enable you to be is fully accountable for what your role is because there's there's no excuse because you've got so many other people doing things um doing their role and yeah you just making sure that what your role is you do it to your your absolute best and um and and carry it out and no, it was great, and two years—two years was enough. I was—I was ready to to come back to the, the obviously the role that that I'm doing now. Um, but no, quite people who I work with now that that I've worked with in the past, or um, people who know me and have watched me coach um, since I've been back at Peterborough have noticed that I am different i don't necessarily notice it myself as much because you just get you just obviously evolve as you as you go but uh no it's clearly had an impact on me a positive impact which is which is fantastic
1: How yeah, did you was... get used
2: to the rain sam didn't didn't <laughs> didn't get used to the rain yeah, it's funny <laughs> because my so my um <laughs> my all oh, my dad's side of the family are um they're, they're all they're all down here now we haven't got any um family up in manchester. Distant relatives, but um, so but they're all from the Stockport area. But I've never lived there up until I was obviously moving up there. And uh, they always say, always said about that. I thought it was a myth, but it is not a myth. (laughs) It's not a myth. Three hundred days a year it rains. (laughs) Couldn't and, and the rain is like come down sideways. Honestly, I thought that's what like, you were
1: gonna say. You struggled with, too. yeah.
2: No, 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 no. Like it, it was what it was. My wife struggled with the rain, though. She she did. But um, no, it was it was great. Massive and we made again going a little bit aside from from the football side of things. So, um, wonderful. We lived in we lived in uh, Cheshire actually, in just yeah, it's lovely. That. What a lovely, lovely part of the world and met some wonderful friends that we'll, that our friendships will, will far uh, outlive our actual time living in living in the area, an amazing place. So just yeah. as a whole experience, a life experience was 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 massive, massive for all of us, really. What What do you think, obviously,
1: because you, your next role then was almost full circle. Yeah. So you, you said at the start that, you know, you want to stay in a role that, until you're learning no more yeah. from it what yeah. what new things are you learning in that role now you come now, back into it yeah or, or yeah. what maybe have you brought with you that yeah. actually I'm, you're trying out you know that you've seen
2: yeah i think the, the big thing for me is again i without without um getting ahead of myself i've Obviously, work the last three years, the the, where I've worked, and the level of player I've worked with. uh, There's still, while there's certain things that you can't um, transfer, there's a hell of a lot that can be transferred in regards to um, organization. um, So, organization of uh of what you what you want to get out of a session but more than that focusing on what players what do the players need and what they what you can what you can do with a session in regards to planning and practice type and uh, design of that particular practice to get the best out of the individual you don't need world class facilities to do that no you don't need um uh, 16 sprinklers on one pitch you, you, don't, you don't need that but what you do need is you need a real um, first of all you need a, a real commitment to obviously developing individuals but also you need a real um, understanding of what that particular player or players need um, yeah. so I think that the biggest single thing would be just standards and expectation on what you place on yourself as a coach but also what you place on the players and it's not about hammering them all the time and, and and saying that's not good enough and you must do this but it's about showing them trying to get them to buy into what the possibilities are in terms of maximizing themselves and maximizing their development because it's some fantastic and it didn't take me being away for three years to know this. There's some fantastic players at cat three level, yeah. some fantastic players, and some fantastic coaches, and, and work going on that is as good as uh, anywhere, as as good as anywhere. And I think it's really important that clubs, uh, coaches, players, parents don't hide behind the fact of that they're maybe at a, a smaller club, um, because you don't need to. You, you really don't need to because, as I say, there's some top work going on, and, and I think the more, the more uh, we can recognise that and the more that a, a coach can go, no, I, I'm, hold themselves accountable to deliver that standard, yeah. Then themselves and also the players they work with are only going to get better. And as a whole, then, as a as a collective, an academy will get better. So whether it's Peterborough or Northampton yeah. or Preston or, or anywhere, anywhere. It doesn't matter. You you've just got to um strive, basically, and, and yeah, be 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 bold with what you want to try and do.
0: Great stuff, Matt. I think you've been testament to that statement. Listening to your journey, mate. Will um I know you've got things to do so just before we jump into some quick fire questions I'll put you on the spot there because I never forgot to warn you about these but um, one thing that Matt and I are keen to to ask probably for our own benefit as well as the listeners is there anything that you've been reading or watching or listening to that you you might recommend um, whether that's recently or I know over lockdown a lot of people had a chance to watch or or read things you got any any recommendations we can add to our List,
2: yeah. What have I uh, I'll tell you what I did, which was really good. And there was a few of us coaches that did it. Um, and I've just bought his his next two books over lockdown. Simon Sinek, um, did uh, you know, Simon Sinek, um, yeah, yeah, American yeah. author. Uh, start with what, yeah, isn't it? start with the why. why. So he did his book club. I don't know if you in, in uh, okay, no, I've
0: not start, heard of oh,
2: that Oh, it was brilliant. So through uh, through lockdown, it was right in the middle of it, it was like sort of. Uh, through April really did it each week he read a, so he read he would get people to read a chapter of his book and then on a Friday it was on a Friday night he would then do a, he did a, a youtube um uh like a, what would you call it like not a podcast, live q yeah, and a yeah live q yeah so you would yeah ask questions you would send questions through the week and around each chapter so it would only be about that chapter so each week it would obviously encourage you to read some more so that was fantastic and um just learn starting with the why rather than the um the what how and why the why how and what and and starting with that and what why you do things and um uh, really opened my eyes and, and sort of got me thinking as to in, in football but in general in life as well about why you do certain things and and it's not about what you do it's more about why you do it that, that is more powerful and if you can get people who you work with to, to start seeing things in that way then uh, it can be really powerful and, and great things can happen so I've just bought his, um uh, his next two books The Infinite Game and can't remember the other one but that was yeah so so that that was fantastic um I've just about finished reading the uh the chimp paradox which again is is one that I'm sure many many listeners have have read um fantastic book really interesting and uh, there's a lot that I can sort of relate to with that personally and professionally um and I'm just trying to think what else what else i tell you what was great, which I really enjoyed. Uh, on YouTube, um, FIFA TV, they had... I don't even know. They might still be on. They had loads of the old World Cup games, which was amazing, watching watching some of the games from games that I remember watching. But again, looking at them differently now, as a, as a coach, I remember watching um, the game. It was France-Brazil World Cup 2006 quarterfinal. I remember at the time... <laughs> I was in uh, I was in Mali on a lad solide. <laughs> I was, but actually watching watching it properly this time round was uh, was a bit different. But yeah, no, plenty just,
0: plenty of bits you couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: But um, no, just just it was. I think everybody who, while everybody struggled in their own ways, I'm absolutely sure of it. But there was a lot of positive uh, things that lockdown made made us do in regards to uh spending time with family obviously the biggest one which was which was an absolute blessing but also learning and, and reflecting and um going back on maybe it's reaffirming things but no it was uh it was um it was tough but now some really good really good opportunities as well during that period
0: brilliant we'll uh we'll get them on the list mate we'll, yeah. one more before we we pick your brains on players and, and stuff like that.
2: Sorry, um, any- the other Simon Sinnott book, <laughs> Leaders of Last.
0: That was
2: the other one. So I've got them both and I've not read them yet. So I'm looking forward to reading them. Nice. On, mate.
0: Um, who, who would you recommend that we get on, on the podcast in the future? I know you've had the pleasure of being around loads of, yeah. people who you could sit and listen to but if there's yeah. one person you could recommend who would it be yeah.
2: who would i recommend getting on
0: you've already said simon cynic so <laughs>
2: yeah if you can get him on be top. <laughs> that would be top um who i'll tell you who well uh, i don't yeah um going on in regards to coach educators i've got you've done something with MJ already, haven't you, Matt Joseph. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he was, he was so the first guest I had on, to be top,
2: fair. like, top, top draw, Matt. Like, someone who I've, obviously, he was my FAYCD when I was at Peterborough first time around, helped me with my, my coaching badges. um, And just someone that throughout the period since I've left Peterborough, I've, I've spoke to regularly and, and and learn, and every time I, I speak to him and, and listen, um, he was actually the one who said that I've changed a lot uh, as a coach since I've been <laughs> I, don't, I, I took it as a compliment, but I don't know whether it was. But um, so, if not Matt, uh, Ben Bartlett, another guy, I don't know whether you've you've. Um, He's brilliant, isn't he? Are one of the best, one of the best. I, I just you can't help but when when I'm when I'm in a room with people like that, I just try and keep quiet because you don't want to disturb the, the anything that you might miss. You know, any kind of. Uh, words of wisdom or I don't half the time probably don't know that they're doing it, but you, yeah, you, you, can't help, but learn from, from people, the experience and the, just the knowledge and the intelligence. Um, so yeah. Go Every time, time he
1: talks, I just start writing stuff down. Yeah. Like exactly. anything, even like,
2: yeah, 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 exactly. Could be a shopping exactly. list. I've
1: yeah, still yeah, got it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. There'll be no, something, there'll be a nugget in there somewhere.
2: hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, uh, yeah.
0: Good stuff, mate. Um, go on then. Last couple. Real real quick fire. So just fire these off for uh, whatever comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, best, best manager or coach of all time in your opinion?
2: Sir Alex Ferguson. No question.
0: Uh, best Premier League player of all time? Uh,
2: best Premier League player of all time. Thierry Omri. Good shout there. What about the best, best
0: Premier League team of all time? So a, a specific uh, year or... Uh,
2: best Premier League team. you got to go with the achievement. And I know it wasn't just a Premier League, but Man United winning the treble to do it, yeah, you can't really. Yeah, I was going to go them or the... Arsenal, Invincibles, and I know they didn't win every game, they drew a lot, but that team... They we'll, take, we'll take your first unbelief. answer, Semps. We'll okay. take your first <laughs> answer. All right, yeah, all right. it's fine. We'll go with that one, mate.
0: Okay, last one then, mate. Your all-time England 11.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> no uh, prep either. He's just... No prep. It. <laughs> Flipping it.
2: Right. Uh, Gordon Banks in goal. Gary Neville right back. Um... Bobby Moore, Rio Ferdinand, Ashley Cole, left back. Then what am I going to go with? I'm going to go for, I'm just going to go 4-4-2. If it's England, old school, I'm down 4-4-2, I? <laughs> um, uh, Beckham on the right. Uh, Brian Robson and who would play in midfield? Gaza, got to be Gazza, isn't it, right? <laughs> Gaza, uh Chris Waddle on the left, Wayne Rooney, Bobby Charlton. Ain't bad oh, that <laughs> is it. Flipping that, out
0: that whitewashes Matt Graddock's team.
1: <laughs> and and I had prep as well. Yeah. well done.
2: <laughs> that ain't bad, is it? Ain't bad. There's a few that have been left out, but flipping it ain't bad.
0: No, decent that. Listen, mate, it's been. A pleasure to chat to you as always long overdue mate yeah
2: thanks
0: for thanks for your time uh wish you all the best with uh your second coming at second Posh.
2: In. yeah thank um, you very much
0: no i really appreciate it mate it's been it's been excellent we could have chatted for a long long time there's loads that we didn't dig into yeah. so we'll have to do a ryan simple part two what do you reckon cruds
2: yeah Definitely. That's no problem. Anytime. Absolutely enjoyed it. And like you say, long overdue, but uh, good to catch up with you both. Yeah. Keep up the good mum. work.
0: Brilliant. Top man, Semps. Cheers, Take mate.
2: Take care. Cheers, lads. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. If you're a scout or coach looking to find or help players, then Pitch is the website for you. It's a startup, but the idea is to complement the scout's role in finding talent, especially in lower leagues. Pitcher is likely to arrange trial days in the future, so a scout might be very interested to make a profile. For a coach, it's about the onward development and mental health of released players, helping them find a team or club and provide a talent ID and development reference on pitch. So make a profile today at www.pitchrmt.com.